0: For me, I know that when I shift from thinking about how I think other people are going to perceive me because of external things, I can go into and feel confident thinking that I want my Judaism to come from an internal, authentic, healthy place. I want to connect to the God that I believe in, that is empathetic, that understands me literally from my being and from my flesh, that is with me on my journeys of highs and lows.
1: Hi there. I'm Tanya, and you are listening to episode 19 of Human and Holy, a podcast by the Tanya Project, where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Rosie and Yudi Gurevich, and is dedicated to their parents, Rabbi Mutti and Dina Liborov, who have impacted and changed the lives of so many, and brought so much light into this world. Hashem should bless you with an infinite amount of blessings, and revealed good. Those blessings are straight from the mouth of your children. Thank you, Rosie and Yodi, for making today's episode happen. To sponsor an episode or become a supporter on Patreon, please reach out at humanandholy at gmail.com. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. A beautiful conversation that I had with Razel Deitch about a line from Mishlei. God is with you in all your ways and in all your journeys. Razel speaks about her personal journey of reacquainting herself with God in a way that is not tainted by others' imposed versions of who God is and what he expects from her, but one that feels more true to the God that she encounters in the text, a God that is deeply connected to her personal experience, who celebrates her in her highs, and in her lows. A God that encourages her to grow from a place of compassion.
0: Hey, Tonya, I'm Razel Deitch. I'm from Australia. I'm 28. I'm now living in Virginia. My husband and I run a Chabad on campus for Jewish students here at George Mason University. We have three gorgeous little boys. I'm a certified life coach from the Rafu Institute in Jerusalem, which has been a really fun journey. I'm in school now studying psychology. I'm currently doing an internship with a really awesome professor, Dr. Riskind, with his research on anxiety. And yeah. the fun project of COVID right now, I'm finishing a certification as a yoga teacher with the Kinneret Yoga Institute. Wow. It's been tons of fun.
1: Yeah. And you just had a baby my baby's almost three months gone
0: oh wow okay fine yeah so it's not God.
1: just anymore
0: it feels like okay. feels like just it feels
1: like just right <laughs> <laughs> takes a while till it's not just anymore <laughs> okay thank you so much razel thanks for being here
0: of course when you Can- first called me tanya i'm like i don't know what this is but i don't know what you know about me but i'm not in like the misinspiring place right now <laughs> and you were like that's what we want i want the messy human i'm like okay Okay. <laughs> I can offer that. <laughs> and I feel like your
1: topic is so perfect for that. For anyone finding themselves in that messy human space, your concept is like really going to speak right to their soul. So I'm excited. So tell us what your concept is. Explain the idea as you understand it.
0: Okay. So this has been a concept that really resonated with me over the years and also has transitioned in many different ways. The sources in Mishleh, and in Hebrew it's Bechol Derechacha De'eho. In all your ways and all your journeys, you should know Him, know God. And the Hasidic perspective really takes that to a whole nother level in really expanding the domain of where we can find God, where we think that we can find God and really connect with God in our life in like a meaningful way in every moment. I guess for me it's really it's really developed in different ways of finding God.
1: When was it specifically that you started developing a personal relationship with this idea? It's a beautiful concept, something that a lot of people know in theory, sort of like God is everywhere, God is in all areas of your life, but when was it something that really began to hit home for you?
0: Yeah, so I definitely went through a lot of stages and it still does. I would say the first time was when I went on a gap year to Israel and studying Hasidic philosophy for the first time, it opened up my heart and mind to a whole nother way of understanding God. I was on a whole journey for a few years of like really struggling with and fighting even against the concept of God, not knowing if I like even intellectually believe in it. It was really a process of like, when I started learning Hasidus, it kind of the way that I see it, it gave me permission to finally believe it opened up a way of seeing God that I think intuitively I already believed in, but what I was learning or how people were giving it to me, I wasn't relating to. Do you know that story of Reblevi Yitzhak of Berdichev where there's a town atheist going around and he's telling all the Jews in the shtetl, all crazy for believing in God. And he's going around convincing everybody and Reblevi Yitzhak comes to him and he says, tell me, like, tell me about what you're telling everybody. And he listens and he says, oh my gosh, I completely agree. The God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Nice. And I think that's what I came to, but I feel like through those years and through this process of staying up all night and reading books and arguing with teachers, and I came to a more of like, I would say an intellectual connection to this idea where I felt like I found this like Jewish definition of God that, you know, as like not only the creator of everything, but the source of all reality that you can tap into. And and really how that came something personal to me is, I guess also it's this idea. I love it. I think the source is in EOV, but the Altar Rebbe talks about it. From my own flesh, wow. I perceive yeah. God. And I think that started to teach me to look inwards, that the soul reflects God, that my own physical being reflects God. That was a real transition journey time. I think that really transitioned in those years in Israel, it was very philosophical. All of a sudden, I connected and I became very idealistic about all these concepts, finding God in everywhere in your life. But that really changed for me in actually in a more physical sense, not just intellectual, but from within my own being. That really has changed for me over the years.
1: Mm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Razel, that line, Mibsari Ahazelika, that you brought yeah. it in. Gorgeous. <laughs> Tyler-
0: it touches my soul. Honestly, I feel like maybe I should go back and say, no, actually that's the phrase that speaks to (laughs) me.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's so beautifully tied into what you're saying, which is that it's really black and white to see how God is present in typical spirituality, how God is present in the mitzvot, how God is present in things that we define as godly. And then saying one second, in all my ways,
0: Mibsari, like from my flesh. Yes. 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 No, no, seriously. <laughs> and, I, and I think about that also. Like, isn't that the whole purpose of the Hasidic revolution? Isn't that what the Baal Shem Tov was trying to do? Like the mitzvahs are so powerful because they're done in the physical world. But they're, I they're sometimes I think of them like, and I teach them, they're like signposts. They're reminders. They're like Shabbos candles. When you light them, is like a reminder that space and time is holy. And keep carrying mm. that into the week, you know? Don't right. stop there. Don't stop in those spiritual experiences. But then the question is like, how do you find that from your physical being? And what does that mean? Yeah, tell us. So that big shift, I think, came for me probably transitioning into motherhood, where I guess you don't have that time to just live in a philosophical, abstract, spiritual world. Right. And everything became just like real physical day-to-day life. Also, like I had my first baby really young. All of a sudden, I was facing things in myself that I had never known were my struggles, things psychologically and just physically the day to day grind of taking care of another human being yeah. that i didn't even necessarily have the headspace to do all this abstract spiritual learning, and more than anything I found, my physical being i think like in it now when I look back at it, like my nervous system was so dysregulated, like I was stressed and anxious from dealing with like a crazy toddler and trying to get things done yeah. that I didn't have space to find God in those places in my life. And I'll share with you what the huge shift was actually, and I'm eternally grateful for. I feel like God has many messengers in our lives at different times. And yeah. at that point, I met at a conference, Rostovara Wallen. She's a therapist and she she's actually a clinical social worker and she teaches meditation and breath work. She has a whole system called Torah Therapeutics. I met her there and I did a session with her and I was so taken by it. And I actually ended up studying the meditation and breath work with her for like over two years. And it changed my life. Wow. It changed my life. I remember one of the first concepts she was talking about was that when the Jewish people were in exile in Mitzrayim, one of the descriptive ways that the Torah describes them is that they were out of breath. Interesting. They were literally out of breath with work. And Rashi writes on it, like anybody who's under stress cannot breathe. Wow. And when you then go back to breath, which is how the tells us God created us with right. the breath of life and breathed that into us. I felt like her techniques of learning to breathe every time that I learned to stop and so simple, but literally breathe in through my nose, count, count longer, all the different techniques. It brought me back to where I am to just what is, to just here now. And that slowly eventually helped me realize that that's where God is right now. Right. And just breathing into the moment, connecting to my own breath. I feel like the ego creates so many stories about who I am, what I need to be doing, who I think I should be. And especially as a community leader, all this pressure of what I think I need to be doing. Right. And just getting back to like, your worthiness in like the moment. There was this incredible book that honestly, even just some of the discussions in there really moved me. His name is Rabbi Epstein is also a clinical psychologist. And he, he has this book called living in the presence. And he describes how, like what we say in Hebrew as yeshuv hadat, which means like a settled mind really is yeshuv becoming settled, das with an intimate connection to now. That's how you, get a settled mind but an intimate connection to the present which then he calls is the is being in God's presence so really it's about coming back to the presence oh like within you I need to breathe it's like taking me back
1: <laughs> yeah that's so beautiful i think that specifically that challenge of new motherhood is recognizing the worth and the value of those small moments that could feel really unglamorous unmeaningful being able to really sink into that present moment and say, God is here, not somewhere else.
0: Yeah, so- no, yeah. totally. And I feel like it's not just in motherhood. It's when you get out of the bubble where you had time to really work on your spiritual self, and then you go into the workforce. So you're just dealing right. with a daily grind. One of the other moments, and this was so interesting because I wasn't used to having spiritual experiences you know, outside of religious experiences spiritual life. And and right. even just starting with prenatal yoga as a mom and, and starting to do that throughout the years, I honestly had some of the most wild moments, just sometimes sitting in a pose during a class. And all of a sudden, I'd find myself like in tears. It was just like being in my physical self in those moments. There was something holy that I experienced like in the quietness of my own space of being like God is here, like connection is here. And I'm running and I'm listening to stories in my head. And I'm so disembodied from my own literal, physical, holy connection to God in this world. Those moments gave me like, you're allowed to take up space in the world. God wants you here. As a mother, as a community leader, I was always like, sacrifice, give, run, do more. I needed these new messages to tell me, God is with you here now. You don't need to run somewhere. You don't need to prove yourself. I think that's what it is. I think it's that story in our head that we need to prove ourselves by what we do. God created us as human beings and our worthiness is already there from within our soul, interconnected with these bodies that God gave us as the vessels of our souls, are holy and worthy in every single moment beyond what we do.
1: I think it took me a long time to believe that. How would you say that learning to believe that your soul was actually worthy led you to a more wholesome relationship with God?
0: I think that we can have a voice in our head of who we think God is or what God wants from us, but often it's really just a critical voice that we've exchanged for God. I Mm. think maybe it happens a lot, especially growing up in the religious world, where you think that doing the next good deed or helping someone is what God is telling you to do, but sometimes it's a low self-esteem, pushing you to prove your worthiness. There are two things I'll share about that. One, Rabbi Tversky writes about this brilliantly, about this low self-esteem that fuels what we think is like spiritual idealism. But really, you're just trying to prove yourself. And he says, one of the ways that you can know which one it is, is ask yourself if it's hurting somebody, what you're trying to do. Is it hurting yourself? Is it hurting your health? Is it hurting your children? your family because you're trying to be the best person for everybody and be this like great, wonderful, whether it's inspiring or best in here or best, I don't know, whatever it is. But ask yourself who it's hurting and then you might know that it might be coming from a low self-esteem. And another point, which actually this was mind-blowing for me, somebody really brilliant said this to me in the past year. He gave this analogy of, do you know John Nash is a famous mathematician. There's a movie about him, A Beautiful Mind, and he had paranoid schizophrenia. And there was a point in his life where he had to learn which are the real voices of people in his life and which is the schizophrenic voices. The way that he learned to differentiate was that the schizophrenic voices never changed. It was the same messages again and again. The real people, their voices change. And what this person said to me was, if the God in your head is keep giving you these messages that you're not good enough. You need to prove yourself. You need to do more. You're not doing enough. Is that the voice of God? Or is that an old childhood traumatic voice that's just replaying in your head? Because how can we possibly believe that we're more empathetic than God? God knows who we are. He's from within our own flesh, from within our own being. And coming back to that phrase, find God in all of your ways, in all of your journeys, in all of your life's highs and lows in every stage. And to think that we have to be only doing it in a certain way and reach and or be this person that we think we need to be instead of embracing where I'm at in my life right now and how I can serve God in little joyful ways and do one little good thing at a time. We get stuck in these ego stories about ourselves. And those, those voices are not God.
1: Right. The God that you believe in, I don't believe in either.
0: Exactly. As you said. Yeah. And that, and that's hard because it's hard to know which is the voice of your intuition, which is the voice of your ego, what's the voice of your soul. I think that benchmark that you gave of this schizophrenic
1: man is so profound because if there's a voice inside of you that is unchanging and is not growing with you and shifting with you, then that voice... I guess the idea is, is that, that God is with you in all your ways. Our life is always transitioning, shifting. Yeah. Life circumstances are changing. If your expectations of yourself and your Judaism are stagnant mm. in either direction, either not growing or just not changing or fluctuating or demanding different things from you at different wow. times, then that's not God. <laughs> Oh, you got
0: it. Yeah, (laughs) beautiful. You just expressed that so beautifully. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I heard it. It's gorgeous. I love it. And every stage really is so different. So like I was saying, at one point, the philosophical connection is what I needed. Then it became, it needed to feel it in my physical being as a woman. I needed to feel it embodied. I need to find God, Mibsari, from my own flesh. And on my journey that I'm on now and the stage that I'm in now. And then I think... And then on that next step, it's on whatever journey I'm in, in highs and lows, in right. when I'm I think a part of me always felt like, yeah, like you asked before, I'm more worthy when I'm doing the right thing. And obviously, doing the right thing is a good thing. God created us as complex human beings. And even Tanya talks about this like so profoundly. The fact that you're getting down on yourself, that you're a struggler, is coming from this misplaced arrogance that you think you're supposed to be some kind of perfect righteous angel. Like you're not, right. you're not. Right. And God loves that beautiful, messy you that's looking for an authentic relationship that's trying to grow. Now that I'm t- saying this, I think that the biggest point is when it's shifting from looking externally to looking internally. And when I mean externally, I mean the voices of what your community expects or what your family or whatever expects from you right now versus where you know you're at. I actually just saw this recently that intuition is having the courage to know what you already know, to know and face where you're at and step by step building this genuine relationship with Hashem in the mitzvahs that you're ready for. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I think one of the biggest struggles in implementing this, and I think this is, Probably specific to growing up in a religious community is that there's certain expectations that are put on us and i and I've seen this so much talking to talking to religious girls in all different stages, and it like oh hurts my soul is that there's so much pressure put on the outside, specifically with modesty things and fitting in with the community standards and and that and modesty is so powerful and beautiful, and I get why. So important. Actually, it's Freud who said that the consequence for creating a society is repression. And that's why we have anxiety because we have to repress ourselves to have a functioning society. Interesting. But I think we have to do more than that because I speak to so many girls who feel so anxious. And like I was saying in the beginning, don't have space for this personal relationship with God because they feel so turned off or so controlled by a community need to look a certain way that. They can't even hear their own intuition or their own connection, this own personal connection to God, because it's become about, listen to these standards. And if not, like you're shamed, not necessarily out loud, but internally you feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I think because as a community, sometimes we're scared when people do things differently or that like, we're scared to give people permission to be where they are at because we're scared oh what's my other daughter going to think if i let her look like this or behave like that and what's what's my niece going to think what's the you know we always have to be an example and hold up the entire jewish nation with you know how we dress or how we behave and we're scared to give people permission but i think that that fear is like the opposite of what the rebbe was trying to tell our generation that we needed which is love and not just love but a belief in the power of a mitzvah of how eternal it is, that even when you're struggling in one mitzvah at a stage in your life, it's not a breakdown of the entire Jewish people and someone's personal Jewish connection. There is so many Jewish mitzvahs. There's not just one, and it's not just external. It's not just in how you dress or in one mitzvah that one person's struggling with. I think that's what I'm trying to get to here, that this whole finding God in every journey of your life, we have to also as a community, allow people to have permission to go through this personal journey. And that might mean that we won't always look the same or we won't always be keeping the mitzvahs perfectly because sometimes we're struggling with them. And giving that permission means that we actually believe in how powerful these mitzvahs are, that we can come back to them in different ways in different stages of our lives.
1: I think it's interesting that you present that as doing the mitzvahs perfectly because it's so clear to me that None of us are doing the mitzvahs perfectly all the time and always. And then, because we in our own lives might be putting an overabundance of emphasis on the external mitzvahs that other Mm -hmm. people can see, right? Yeah, we start to pigeonhole ourselves whenever we're struggling with something that people can see externally. But if it's something that people can't see, then we can maintain our external image. And then, oh, that doesn't change my status as a Jew. Right.
0: (laughs) Tanya, you're brilliant. Yes, spot on. It's because it's what's seen, we put such an emphasis on the external stuff. And then this is what at least I felt for myself sometimes when I'm so, struggling with certain things about modesty or certain mitzvahs, especially with, I know that so many married women find hair covering uh, can be hard. It can stop becoming about thinking about how people are going to perceive you instead of where you're at with God and how you're going on this journey with Hashem. And that journey is always... I think when you're thinking about having a relationship with Hashem, that means you're going upwards, whether it looks, sometimes it looks like it's less to other people on the outside, but we have no idea what everybody's going through or how they're developing a relationship with God. And for me, I know that when I stop, when I shift from thinking about how I think other people are going to perceive me because of external things, I can go into and feel confident thinking that I want my my Judaism to come from an internal, authentic, healthy place I want to connect to the God that I believe in, that is empathetic, that understands me literally from my being and from my flesh, that is with me on my journeys of highs and lows. There's times where I'm extremely inspired and there's times where I'm literally feel expired and God is with me in those lows too. And God is like, Razel, I know it's like, I'm holding your hand, like you're held. When I give myself permission to understand that and to feel that then I feel like I want to keep growing. I, I want to keep doing more mitzvahs because it's coming from a place of joy. It's coming from a place from within. I think in this line of thinking, from my
1: perspective of what you're saying, it's so important to be really honest with ourselves that we are truly showing up as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Because in any relationship that you have, if the other person is empathetic and connected with you, then when you're going through a rough time, there's going to be certain things that they're going to be understanding of you not doing yeah. as well as you us- usually do because of what you're going through. And I think that's important because then there's certain things that they won't be understanding of because those are cornerstones of the relationship. They're things that are like non-negotiables. Oh, and I think that the personal... i so standard- you're bringing this up. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So the personal standards of our relationship with God could be similarly... All that God wants from us is that we're doing the best that we can. We'll never be perfect. But we do have to, because I think this
0: line of thinking... Okay, be- I, I, to- I know exactly what you're saying, that this line of thinking could lead to... This like kind of a bit of an ego mentality. This is where I am. God accept me. I yeah, have to exactly. it. Okay. I'm so happy you brought that up because that's really, I would say, the struggle that I have within myself a lot with different voices within my head okay. to really, and to really understand where it's coming from. And I can share with you my perspective, what I've felt like I've come to so far. And I'd love to hear what you th- think about this. Yeah, totally. Let's do it. I okay. totally understand that. And I'm really happy you brought it up. Because we don't want to get stuck in just this ego mentality. And especially and I think you hear this all the time from the older generation. Oh, this generation is all I, 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 ego, and <laughs> and we we need to learn to go beyond ourselves in a relationship, which is of course true, and to go beyond ourselves with our relationship with God. And this is what we hear as kids, Kabbalah all, which means you do what's right even when you're not feeling it. And all of these things are very powerful. But I want to make a really important distinction that I've really, really worked on in my life. And that is if you saw a relationship where somebody was in a a marriage, let's say, where you're saying you're trying to have this loving relationship and they're going against themselves all day long for the other person. You would think that that's going to look like a pretty miserable marriage. If everything they have to push themselves, Oh, I have to do this for them. Oh, you know, Oh, they need this from me. Oh, they need that from me. That's going to be pretty miserable. Right. In a relationship where you want to be with somebody, most of the time you feel like, hopefully, you feel like you're in a partner relationship, whatever it is, you want to be there. And every so often you go beyond yourself to show them that you care. You do something, you know, romantic means not just doing something that I feel would be nice, but if I don't appreciate flowers, that's not going to be romantic for me. It would be my spouse needing to learn to do something for me that I care about, you know? and then and vice versa. And what I think in Tanya, and I once learned this, and it stuck with me forever from a teacher. In Tanya, where it says, B'chol ma'odecha, that we sh- in Shema, where it says that we should love God with all of our might, Tanya talks about mechol ma'odecha means going with all of our ability, going beyond ourselves. That's how we're really showing that we're serving God. That it's not just like, oh, this feels good for me, so I'm doing it. But you're really showing that you're going beyond yourself, is when we do something beyond what we're used to. We do something beyond what's natural for us, right? Right. And even Tanya would go to the extent to say, sometimes the mitzvah that you're struggling most with is really like your life's journey. Like that's where maybe you should really be working on. It's a hint to you, you know? Right. But, and this is something that my teacher shared that, who changed it for me. This way of serving God, of going beyond yourself for God, it's not a constant, Avoda it's not a constant service because your baseline daily connection to God has to be from a place of joy, like finding the things that really connect you to God, doing things that make you so happy, and mitzvahs like waking up singing Madani, dancing, spending time in nature, painting, lighting candles. And for some people it could be it's so unique to everybody, but really using the personality that God gave you and serving God from there in a really happy, natural way. And daily, or for each person different, in little ways, going beyond yourself for God. And sometimes that could be controlling yourself from saying gossip when you don't want to be. It could be something in modesty. I'm like, I'm doing this for you, God, you know. But here's the big distinction. If you're you're in a place in your relationship with your Judaism where you're feeling miserable because you're going against yourself on a 24-7 basis or every single time you walk out the house and you're utterly miserable, I think that can only lead to resentment. And I think that's usually because you're doing it for what other people think and not necessarily something personal. Because I think that when it's between us and God, I think that God's mitzvahs are joyful. And so that's the distinction that you want your baseline service to be joyful and then in little ways Go beyond yourself for God. And that's why I think no one else can tell someone, oh, this is the mitzvah that you should be working on. You know, this is the one that you're not doing well enough and I'm feeling upset. You know, you're you're ruining my parade by not doing that mitzvah well enough. I'm worried about what perception other people are going to think if you're not good enough. When internally, then yes, it's important for each person to ask himself. Am I working on this personal relationship with Hashem where I'm actively engaging in a personal relationship and me having confidence knowing that I'm doing things for God going beyond myself? And that's my my path.
1: Right. That's a great point, which is that if it's being defined by how other people are perceiving your relationship with God versus you honestly pushing yourself in ways that are healthy in your circumstance. Right. I think that's a really important point because I feel like It's a very nuanced subject that can easily spill over into complacency. God is empathetic. He understands that the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos is too challenging for me, so that therefore I will never be able to keep it. But every mitzvah is infinitely valuable, so therefore every other mitzvah that I do is valuable in and of itself.
0: Ah, yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Is it not Right. Every mitzvah is valuable in and of itself. And then if you start there, I actually believe if you actually go to that positive place and say every mitzvah is infinite because God is infinite and every mitzvah that I am doing is connecting to me to God. If you actually focus on that, then mitzvah, don't we say that in Pirkei Avos, that one mitzvah will lead to another. Yeah. So if you're focusing on, oh, this is the mitzvah that I suck at and this is the mitzvah that I can't do and uh, that's shameful, then You'll get stuck there and you may get lead to complacency or that may lead to just lack of connection or lack of pushing yourself where you can. But you have to talk to yourself only. If I can focus on the mitzvahs that are are really connecting to you, then it gives me the motivation to want to push myself into the ones that are uncomfortable. Because the truth is, it is true that growth happens when you're in those uncomfortable spaces, but we can't force everybody to do the thing that's uncomfortable for them right now and always.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And what I'm really hearing, and I think that a lot of adults experience this, is a sort of necessary rebuilding of our relationships with God. And that there's so many things that you may have always been struggling with, and you sort of begin to acknowledge them, or because of life circumstances. For example, something that I know that a lot of people experience, I could definitely speak for this one, is prayer after becoming a mother. Mm. That I struggled with prayer, like formal prayer for a long time. And then once becoming a mother, it just magnified that struggle. And then it was like, okay, I no longer have the set time to pray. And it's really easy for that to fall to the wayside. And then rebuilding my definition of prayer, rebuilding my Mm. responsibility for prayer and being really honest about what it means for me in my relationship with God. What does He expect from me right now? Like you said, He's empathetic. He knows what my daily experience is. And He still wants to hear from me. In what way? Like, what can I do right now? And then what ends up happening is that instead of being swallowed up by the shame that I'm no longer davening the way that I used to be, I could be empowered to show up for a few minutes every day to speak to him in a way that is so valuable to him.
0: I absolutely love that. And I think I really believe that's what the author was trying to tell us in those chapters about not getting stuck in that ego voice that's getting stuck on what you're not doing and the fact that you're struggling and show up where you can and show up and keep trying to show up. And I, I honestly, when you said that, I got the chills because I think of, and I remember learning this one time in the beginning of the prayers, in the beginning of, right, in much we say from King David, he's, we quote him and we say, I, need to fill a tea. I am my prayer. That's what King David says. Like you're coming to God and you're saying, I am my prayer. I am where my prayer is at. Like right. what I'm able to do right now, like what I'm saying, this is me. Like I'm showing up to you here as I am, but I'm showing up. Because I want to be with you, because I want to say thank you, because I want to find gratitude, because I want to see you everywhere in my life. And I'm showing up as I am. And in that space, it's saying, I want to be on this journey with you. In all my ways, wherever I'm at right now, from within me, I want to connect to you. And the more that I find those places, the more that keeps expanding, the more that leads to another good thing, the more that leads me in certain times to want to push myself where it's uncomfortable.
1: Right. And it's interesting because, like, even in the the halachic obligations of prayer, change when a woman becomes a mother. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> right, like literally the halakhic obligations. Yeah, this whole thing is is that that's ver- God
0: saying your relationship's supposed to change with me?
1: Yeah, right, right, and make room for the all the time you're going to be spending doing mundane tasks, and recognize that your service
0: might be there right now, and that doesn't mean yeah. that you are not connecting with me. I want to tell you something, Tanya, when I first went out to start a Chabad house, I remember the first Shabbat when I was sitting alone at home, and I was just thinking like I remember thinking, I want to be able to be here for people on their Jewish journeys, but I don't want to come across as having an agenda with people like I really want to be there with people, be where they're at, and I was confused as to like how you can truly do this right. in like a really like understanding way and I opened up a letter. I went through some English letters from the Rebbe and I found something that I've carried with me all these years. And in that letter, the Rebbe said, your job in being like a spiritual leader or just even, I can't remember the word the Rebbe used in being with people on a spiritual journey. Your job is to listen because every person, their neshama has a, their soul has a mitzvah that they connect to. And your job is to listen, to hear what their mitzvah is and then be there to help them do it. Wow. It like shook me there about how beautiful that approach is. And imagine we expanded that to ourselves and to our communities. And especially in religious communities, we need to listen more to people. We need to listen more to our our teenagers. And as we get older and in different stages about how people are struggling, and to listen and say, this is normal. This is okay. You're loved. You're worthy here. Think about the mitzvahs that that you love. Like Hashem loves you in all of these stages and places.
1: Yeah. I think the big thing is that it's a journey, like you're going to grow and you're going to change, you're going to shift. Right. And instead of trying to, be like somebody
0: else or achieve someone else's Judaism, try to be the best you in your relationship with God. Right, right, right. And I totally understand. And I hear this voice in my head, even when I'm still talking about it. Like I hear it because I know it from the older generations and people that I talk to that like, there's this vilification, honestly, of the I I generation that we're so obsessed with I and how we feel and that it has to be nice for us. But I really truly believe in the divine providence of the generation that we're in And that there is something so unbelievably powerful about this generation and so unbelievably beautiful, the fact that we're so in tune with ourselves and we're working on ourselves and we're literally healing generations of often very toxic messages that were not planned to be passed down, but we're living with. And I think that we're doing a ton of healing and that really coming to a place where we find God as our source of healing is like so infinitely beautiful And also recognizing that this voice of the I, the I that wants to connect to God is ultimately connected to, I once heard Jossie Jacobson say this, that is connecting to the I that is God. God is the ultimate I. God is the source of all being. And when we connect to our own I, and through the guidance of Tara, and through real connection to our we tap into the truest I. This is not such a negative thing to be in tune with what you're feeling. Like, this is amazing.
1: Oh, Yeah. It's interesting in Vata Titzava, which is the last mimer that the rabbi distributed, he speaks about how unique our generation is in that we serve God through our specific kochos. Yeah. So every person finding their specific kohos, which means figuring out what your kohls are, and then taking those and using them for godliness and not trying to have an impersonal cookie cutter relationship with God, yeah, yeah. but actually taking a hard look at yourself and say, what are my gifts? How can I capitalize on my gifts in this mission of changing the world?
0: Oh my gosh. Ooh. So much. So much. Yeah.
1: So much. Okay. Let's finish up with this question, even though I feel like we could talk about this for so long. There's so much to explore on this topic, but. Ending off, what advice would you give to someone listening on how they could incorporate this idea into their life?
0: Wow. Just breathe. So maybe the first thing is to breathe. (laughs) breathe. (laughs) I think the first thing is showing up as you are to yourself. And that really means also showing up as you are to God. And to me, that means spending some quiet time with yourself to to face yourself, to hear the voices in your head, the messages that you're living with that perhaps you think are religious in nature, but maybe quite toxic, (laughs) to listen to the voices that maybe are just coming from low self-esteem and to just listen to yourself, learn about yourself and re-embrace wanting to grow with God where you are, that God wants to grow with you. And I think being able to be vulnerable with, with a select few people is really, really powerful. Like as Brene Brown talks about a lot, breaking the shame of the right. secrecy and, and talking about it, whether it's with a mentor, whether it's with a therapist, um, whether it's just people that you love in your life. And, and I think also, like you said, with prayer, showing up as you're up to God and just kind of talking to God and being honest with, who you, with where you're at. And I think that that's really powerful. I think that might be the first step. Oh, such a good point. It's like that honesty of confronting
1: yourself with people who you trust is like right. the first step to being able to accept where you are and move forward from there,
0: yeah, yeah, and then just believing that whatever spiritual breakdown you could be going through that they're like little signposts from god they' little they're little breakthroughs that God is trying to show us like where you're at, it felt too superficial it's it's not. Your intuition knows that you want something more and go with that. Don't settle for Judaism. That's feeling superficial, pediatric, old, pushed on you by somebody else. Fight for Judaism. That's, that's personal. That's all inclusive in your, from literally from within your flesh to within your mind and your, and your body and your heart and keep it personal. Cause God wants to be with you on every step of that personal journey with every part of who you are.
1: Beautiful. Often the breakdown is the catalyst for the growth.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: seriously. Thank you so much, Razel. You That's in the world. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Our journey to get this episode to you has been months in the making. Throughout the process, Brazil and I kept reassuring each other that we were working on God's timeline, not our own. And that when it came time to share this, it would be the right time. For the person listening. So I hope this episode found you at the right time. As a reminder that whatever you are currently experiencing in your life, whatever you are struggling with, however messy your human experience is right now, God is with you in the deepest corners of your life. He is celebrating your growth and innate worth. If the critical voices within you are unchanging, perhaps they were never godly to begin with. I hope this episode inspires you to approach God as he is. a Loving and compassionate father who relishes and recognizes the private efforts you make to be in a relationship with him that no one else can see. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at The Tanya Project or via email at humanandholygmail.com. At If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it would be so appreciated and it helps other people find the podcast. And if you don't want to miss a single episode, they come out every other Sunday morning, then hit the subscribe button and you'll get a notification whenever a new episode is live. Thanks again, and I hope you have a wonderful day.